0: Love, Talk Radio Oh mama, I'm in fear For my life from the long i of the
1: law Got miles to go before we sleep Lord, man is putting End to my running And I'm so far From my head We will not go gently uh, We will unleash hell here in December
0: Oh mama, I can hear you are Crying, you're so scared Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle Everybody hey, can play football Coming down from the gallows And I don't have very Gentlemen of Steelers Nation, we welcome you back to another edition of the Standard of the Standard. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of down. The Steelers Nation is really pissed off. Uh, everything that happened in week five, sorry, week six against the Miami Dolphins, we're going to talk about all that. is me, you got it, we're going to talk about it. And join with me as always, my co-host from the West Coast, Lance Color Rush williams What's going on, Lance?
2: What's happening, Jeff, listeners, a lot of you guys don't know. It's like me and Jeff will kind of talk about some stuff prior to the show off air. You know, we'll usually discuss what we're going to have on the program earlier in the week. But we might talk about, you know, five to ten minutes before the program. Jeff didn't show up until we started. He is taking the example of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, I didn't even know if Jeff was going to show up. I was like, man, it's about 6 o'clock. Then I hear <laughs> Renegade, and I go, oh, okay, he's here. But that's sort of how the Steelers played. They really <laughs> didn't decide to show up on Sunday. So, hey, it's indicative of the team's performance. Hopefully, we will bring it to your raw, real, and physical, unlike the Steelers did against the Miami doll.
0: Well, here's the difference, though, and I showed up. The Steelers never showed up. So uh, if it was uh, a Steelers uh, analogy, uh, you would have just heard Renegade stop and nothing but dead air for the next hour. But I'm here, and I've got four little kids running around the house. Um, it, it's crazy, but nonetheless, we're here. So let's talk about some Steelers stuff. Uh, the Steelers game, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, I'm going to be honest with you. Even though we did the show last Wednesday, I was pretty confident in the Steelers. We both were. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I'm not going to lie about that. It was probably about the time that on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, we, we do our film room previews at the end of the week, previewing the upcoming matchup. And both of my writers that t- typically handle those duties were just gushing over how easy this game was going to be. And I read these as, when I was proofreading, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't like this at all. And I started to look a little bit deeper into the Dolphins. Did I tell you what? I mean, they have some names on that team. Did I think this was going to happen? No. But at the same time, looking back in retrospect, I could see how the Steelers maybe bought into that whole mentality of how great they are. It was just bad. It was bad from start to finish. Lance, there's a couple plays that really irked me. Um, I'll tell you one. And before I let you go ahead and talk about what you thought of last week, I thought one play, and, and this was more than just one play, I guess, I thought the officiating was poor, and that's not, again, I'm not saying that the Steelers got hosed. am not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that I'm really sick and tired of the, the officiating even being a narrative during these, these games every week. The onside kick that happened, that failed, that didn't happen because the officials weren't ready, I'm sorry, how does that go? How does that even take place? And if you think back to the game, that play and William Gaze missed interception pick six. I thought were two huge plays that never took place because, they, well, for one, the officials didn't give them a chance to take advantage. And then with William Gay's interception, it just never happened. Um, to kind of narrow our focus, Lance, what were you most disappointed with? And ultimately, where did you think the game went south for the Steelers? Because let's be honest, this team was in the game up until late in the third quarter. They were only a score down. And so uh, what, do, what do you think happened?
2: Well, I wanted to point to what you said at the top of the show. Just in listening to some of the post-game audio, in my personal life, I really don't like to use the word should because if I use the word should, then I should be 6'5", I should weigh about 215 pounds with about 7% body fat with about you know $10 million in a personal account to do with what I want. That's what I should be. And so there are no shoulds in life, period. And when you hear athletes use the word should, there's absolutely no shoulds in sports either. If you've competed at any level, you understand. Should doesn't apply. You have to go out and execute and win the game. When you heard some of the post-game press conferences of some of the players, some of the interviews, and it's up on the site. Jeff posted I think he posted it on Monday. A lot of the players said, this was a team we should have won, or should have beaten. A game we should have won. This is a game we should have You can't use should in sports. So that tells me that the mindset going into this game wasn't the correct one. And in hearing that I'm not surprised that the outcome was what it was. Now, in terms of when did the game go south, well, the game went south when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, and secondly, when Todd Haley decided to continue to pass the ball, not hand the ball off to D'Angelo Williams or Le'Veon Bell when you had a gimpy quarterback in the locker room. So, to me, that's when the game with South. And I think what we're seeing with this game is that although they have a multitude of weapons on offense, if Ben doesn't play well, they're not going to win. I don't think it's a road or a home game thing. When he doesn't play quality football, they lose. And it's typified by a low quarterback rating and by turning
0: the football over. Well, let's, let's narrow it down a little bit here they don't play well when they don't, when he doesn't play well and they don't just turn to running the football. That's something the Steelers under Todd Haley, and that's part Ben Roethlisberger. I think this is more of a, it's not Todd Haley's offense and it's the be-all, end-all. Ben Roethlisberger's fingerprints are all over this offense, too. And when things are going bad, instead of, like you said, leaning on Le'Veon Bell, the most dynamic running back in the National Football League, they get pass-happy and they start slinging the ball all around the yard. It just doesn't make sense to me. But that also typically coincides with Ben's having a bad day. When was the last time there was a game where Roethlisberger was off? And we know that it happens every season. And the team said, you know what, it's not your day, Ben. We're going to limit your passes. We're going to give the ball to, to Dell. We're going to get the offensive line going forward, being a, you know, aggressive. That just never happens. It never happens. And so because of that, it, it, it coincides with that. And there's a great article on the website today. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's all about how the woeful losses of the Steelers always comes with imbalance on offense. Now, if you're playing from behind, like in Philadelphia, I understand that sometimes you have to throw to get back in it, but that's not always the case, and it wasn't the case in Miami. Like I said, we're talking fourth quarter. They're only down by a score, two at the most. It wasn't time to ditch the run, and they ditched the run the first half, and Roethlisberger was off the whole game. But, like I said, don't dwell on this too much. I do want to talk about trap games. And this is something that Mike Tomlin actually referenced in his post-game press conference. It was very candid. Lance, you wanted me to play this. Do you want to, pre, do you want to say anything before I hit, hit the play button, or usually you just let me play it? Go ahead and hit
2: the play button, baby. Hit the play
1: button. All right. Guys, is everyone ready here? Close the door, Chris. 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 Close the door. Coach, whenever you're ready. Man, no need to sugarcoat that, we got beat soundly today. Um, we didn't take care of the football, we didn't stop the run. Um, and the stopping of the run is an emphatic point, you know, 200 yard back, um, it's not good. Uh, we'll assess it, uh, we'll absorb it and assess it, uh, assess it like we always do. Uh, but just know it's disappointment in our performance today. Um, on the injury front, Mike Mitchell had a, a knee uh, sprain. Uh, he was able to return to the game as it had been. He was able to return to the game with several guys with uh, heat-related cramps and so forth. Um, but I think most of them were able to return to the game in some form or fashion. Uh, I accept responsibility for that, uh, as I always do. Um, we didn't play well enough today. Um, we didn't tackle well enough. Um, that's football. When you don't tackle, um, when you turn the ball over, you're gonna lose. Questions. Do
0: you think it was a trap game? Maybe you were looking ahead to New England.
1: You know, um, you can characterize it as such uh, because we lost. But you know, when I look at it, I don't look at who we play or or their record or things of that nature. I look at how we perform, and um, you know, we didn't perform well enough to win today. Um, we didn't tackle well enough to win today. We didn't take care of the ball. So um, anybody in the National Football League is going to beat you when you have a combination of those two things. Mike, was Ben's mobility compromised a lot in the second half in terms of running? I'm sure it was. Just the offense seemed kind of bogged down. I mean, Brown only had a few catches. And... Yeah, we didn't, we didn't find rhythm there. Um, you know, um, didn't perform well enough. Did you have any feel for the run game, the run defense? You know, um, to be quite honest with you, um, we had enough hats. Um, that back ran hard, ran through tackles. Uh, we didn't tackle well enough. Um, it wasn't a, a lack of manpower at the point of attack, if, if you will. So, heat-related issues. How difficult is it to prepare for the humidity down here, back in Pittsburgh, to get ready for something like that? You know, that's that's just an element of it. I'm sure people have similar issues when they come to Pittsburgh and, and later in the year, latter part of the year. So. You know, that's no excuse, man. we we got to perform better than we, when we did today.
2: Anything
0: else?
2: All
0: right. Okay, so that was the raw audio. And so you can hear the people talking at the beginning and at the end. That's the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers public relations team getting everything ready. The track game. That's who I want to talk about. And Mike Tomlin answered a lot of questions, I should say a lot. He answered a few questions, but the biggest question was the very first one. and said, Coach, you think this was a trap game with the fact that the New England Patriots are coming behind it? And his answer shocked me when I watched this live. And it was, yeah, you can call it that if you want because we lost. Lance, what did you think when you heard that from Tomlin after the game?
2: I was equally shocked. You know, NFL coaches are rarely revealing. They, they typically keep everything close to the vest and everything tight-lipped, but it's astonishing to admit that it was a trap game. You know, because that's an admission that as a head football coach, you didn't have your team with the proper mental focus to that football game. I mean, you would never hear that outfit in New England say it's a trap game. I mean, So it was really weird. And it, 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 so it says that the coach and the staff didn't have them mentally prepared, but it also says that the leadership on the team didn't have them mentally prepared as well because you can't allow yourself to look forward. It's too difficult to win football games in a national football league to not give any opponent 100% of your focus. And it was astonishing, again, to hear a head coach admit that, knowing that the onus was going to be on him and the spotlight was going to be on him
0: because the team did lose. Yeah. Now, I mean, here, when I hear that, I immediately think to myself, okay, they're basically admitting, in a sense, that, like you said, they were kind of looking over Miami. We have, I, I, I personally, you might disagree, Lance, but I, have, I think that Mike Tomlin is a big game coach. He gets his team ready for games like the one that's coming up this Sunday. Backs against the wall, at home, no one's giving them a chance. Man, this is his style of game. This is his preparation week that he thrives on, and he's done it for years and years now in Pittsburgh. However, is... It's tough to it's tough to, for me to analyze the situation because would this game have fallen the same way if the Cleveland Browns were in week uh, week seven and not the New England Patriots? Would it have been different? Because I don't I, I I guess the question is and I think maybe this is worth looking up because everyone knows by now that um, in the last 16 games that he has played on the road against subpar teams and I say he meaning Mike Tomlin that they've lost. 11 of those 16. It's a staggered number. But the trap games, to me, is it just because it's a bad opponent, opponent, or do you think it's because he's waiting on the other side? Like and That's the way I kind of heard that. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's something else?
2: I don't know. I mean, either way, it's problematic. I mean, if you don't beat teams that you're supposed to beat, you don't make the playoffs. You don't get a one or a two seed. You're a wild card, and suddenly because you lose focus as a staff, you got to win three or four playoff games to win a championship. That's inexcusable as a staff. focus against bad opponents. I mean, we're going to break down this Patriot game, but one of the reasons the Patriots are so successful is because they beat bad teams. They drop bad teams. They don't get beat by them. And when you look at this National Football League, and there was an interesting article about the reduction of ratings by 10% in the NFL, and I attribute largely that to the bad product that's being doled out on Thursdays and Mondays every week, and the bad quarterback plays that a majority of the teams you're going to play in the National Football League week to week are going to probably be bad to average. So you better figure out a way to beat bad teams and not lose your focus as a staff. And if he's losing his focus as a head coach, you can understand why the players are saying that dreaded word should trouble it. He's gonna to have to fix that yes. because they cannot continue to lose to bad teams if they want to win Super Bowls. You can't go to Foxborough in December, early January trying to go beat Brady to get to the Super Bowl. You don't want to do that. And you know, if they lose on Sunday hello, <laughs> they're going to New England. Get ready.
0: Yeah. And, no, you're absolutely right. And this, this game Sunday is a big game for a lot of reasons. But ultimately I ask the question, like you said, it's something that needs to be fixed. He's been here for 10 years and it hasn't been fixed. So at what point do we say, well, either it's not going to get fixed, or is it even capable of being fixed? You know what I mean? Um, Mike Tomlin is a is a great coach. I like Mike Tomlin. I'm not bashing Mike Tomlin. There are people that you, unfortunately, as as the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that I'm surrounded by on Facebook or Twitter that are not Mike Tomlin fans. Some of that is racially driven, but that's a that's a discussion for a whole other time. But ultimately. Can it be fixed? Is this something that you can just say, okay, the coach is going to get, get a general, more general sense of focus or anything like that? What do you think? Well, he better build a wall around the problem and figure it out.
2: Because if he doesn't figure it out, it's going to be very difficult for them to win a championship if that guy, number 12, Tommy Terrific, husband of Giselle is up in New England on the road in a big spot in the playoffs. He better fix it. I mean, he has to. He has to figure out a way. I don't know if that's better leadership in the locker room, better preparation those weeks. I don't know what it is. But it's beyond the trend. It happens consistently, and it has to get fixed. If they want a legitimate shot to win a seventh Super Bowl and to win another one, while Ben Roethlisberger, as we see him get year after year hurt year after year, I should say, uh, you better maximize your opportunity to win a championship while number seven is in the black and gold.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point. And so, you know, the the, the sad thing about the whole trap game and the letdowns that, uh, like you said, unfortunately become commonplace with the Pittsburgh Steelers, under Mike Tomlin, there is no real hard concrete answer as to how that'll work. But you did mention that in Roethlisberger, which leads me to my next point. Not my next point, but it basically news that broke today, Lance. I'm sure you saw. Um, Chris Mortensen of, of ESPN reported that the update on Roethlisberger's knee is that now there's a potential that he could be out for anywhere from four to six weeks, and. This is not really news. Uh, he follows certain people. I know that Dr. Chow on internet, on the Internet, on Twitter, um, he's, a former, he's a former San Diego Chargers chief staff of medical, the medical guy. He's the one who would be on the field treating guys like Philip Rivers and all that, um, even back when Junior Seau played there. But still, they said one to three. He seemed very optimistic that, he would, that Ben would be able to be back in, after the bye week. But now they're saying it could be a little bit longer. Um, four to six weeks is, you're talking dire straits for the Steelers as they turn to Landry Jones and or Zach Mettenberger, which I will say before I go any further, there has been some chatter about the Steelers possibly trading to in another quarterback if it is four to six weeks. I don't know, some idiot on NFL.com said they should trade for Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why in the world they would do that, I don't know. Um, some were saying that they should trade for... Um, butt fumble, Mark Sanchez, that's I almost mean, as idiotic as you could think. Um, they're going to stick with the two guys that they have here as long as Roethlisberger's out. My question for you, though, Lance, is let's say Roethlisberger misses just the Patriots game, they have the bye week, and he's able to come back for the Ravens game. Are you confident that A, he can stay healthy for the rest of the season and that the offensive issues that are currently going on in the team can be rectified rather quickly?
2: If Ben comes back for the Ravens game, they'll win the division. The division is not very good. They will win the division if he comes back. If it's six weeks, the season is over. It's a wrap. I love this team. They've got a lot of talent. It's a wrap. It's a year to develop young guys. If it's four weeks, go two and two, I still think they win the division. because The division is not good. I'm not sold on the Ravens. Uh, and, and Cincinnati is behind the eight ball it's just it looks like it's going to just be one of those years for Cincinnati but yeah you know, again this season reminds me of last year i mean we're we're pretty much in the same place as we were last year after the rams game it a little bit later and this brings up the point that they better start getting prepared for life after Ben Roethlisberger because you know, I'm 46. I want to see another Super Bowl. You know, look, I don't want to go another 25 years post-bend before you get a seventh championship. I, you know, I don't want to go through that. I mean, I went through uh, a long stretch of, you know, bad football in the 80s and you know, the resurrection of the franchise, so to speak, under Bill Cowher. I mean, you have to strike – when you have the franchise guy. And they've gotten two rings. And there are a lot of franchises that don't have one. So they're playing with house money as it is right now. But but still, they have to think about that future beyond Ben because he is getting hurt every single season. And this was a non-contact injury as well, which only makes it more alarming.
0: Yeah, Jigs. Definitely a, a unique situation. I, I've been on record as saying that I thought that this upcoming draft would be the, of the year that they look for a young quarterback. I'm not saying they spend a the first rounder on a quarterback, but a mid-round pick on someone that maybe could be that backup, that could be the possibly, when Roethlisberger decides to hang it up, the guy that could possibly step in. Um, kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, players like that. You see New England do that uh, with some regularity. Roethlisberger it's tough because the team needs him. And like I said earlier in the show, the offensive system is so hardwired to only be driven by him that it definitely makes it tough when Landry Jones has to step in and play. Landry Jones is not as accurate with the football. He is, I will say this, he's he's pretty good at the intermediate to short route. It's when he tries to stretch the field that it gets, a little, it gets a little dicey. His deep ball is not nearly as good as Roethlisberger's, but then again, not many are in the National Football League. A recent ESPN Insider article stated that Ben Roethlisberger had the best deep ball in the National Football League of all quarterbacks. But Landry Jones, okay, Roethlisberger's out. I think, that honestly, it's a week-by-week thing. Um, everyone's way too focused on the timeline whether it's one to three, four to six, it's really going to be – everything that I've read on this injury, I've never torn my meniscus personally, is if he comes back whenever his knee feels like he can play. That could be one week, could be two weeks, could be three, never know, but eventually he will be back. So with that said, Landry Jones this Sunday. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about him before we get to our keys of victory because everyone is putting this on him. And I love what he said today. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Lance. He, he stood up in front of the team, I guess, their, their weekly meeting, and he said two words, don't panic. <laughs> and so I have mixed emotions when I hear this. The first is why would, his, why would your teammates panic because you're now the quarterback? And, B, I like it because it's a little bit of confidence. It shows that, you know, this is a guy that's confident that, look, I can get the job done and no one. I mean, no one thinks he can get the job done in this New England Patriots game. I will say this. I think that if the Steelers lose on Sunday, I don't think it's going to be, called, going to be because of Landry Jones. What is your feeling about Landry Jones going into this game? This is his fourth year in the system. He's had time in the lineup before. What are your thoughts? Don't panic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They better panic. <laughs> <laughs> don't panic. First of all, the Patriots are giving up about fifteen points a game. I mean, this isn't the the Patriot team where it's stacked and tilted on offense. I mean, the reason why they started three and one, the defense carried them. They're an outstanding defensive football team. They're so dangerous this year is they're going to average close to 30 with Braden, and they're going to give up about 15 to 16 on defense. That's a two-touchdown point differential. That is elite category. So, panic, oh, hell yeah. You better panic on both sides of the ball. <laughs> and so, you know, when I hear that, <laughs> I, hey, look, I, I, I chuckle. Hey, man. That, that's like me trying to fight Mike Tyson in the early 90s. I better it. I have no plan. <laughs> I can't beat that guy. You better it. Look, this is going to have to all be right. their best. We can say that it can't happen. The Patriots are a very good football team. They are the best team in the AFC to me by far. Could it happen? Yes. We've all seen Landry Jones. It would have
0: to be the best game he's ever played. No, you're right, and I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I think back a lot because Landry Jones, when he came in and um, in relief for Roethlisberger last year, or Michael Vick last year, he played fairly well. He didn't lose the game. I thought even in his start against Kansas City, they didn't lose because of Landry Jones. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. Go ahead. Let me stop you. Jeff.
2: It's not about him losing the game. He's going to have to win this one. So much pressure on you offensively to score touchdowns. He's going to have to make plays in the game to score touchdowns. And this isn't going to be yes. a game where you know, he's going to have to make plays. If he just doesn't turn the ball over, that's great. That, that's the bare minimum to possibly win But he's going to have to throw multiple touchdowns and make plays in this game for them to win. Now, he's capable of doing it. We've seen it. But he's going to have to play really, really good
0: football for them to win this game. Oh, no doubt about it. But at the same time, I I, I guess I have a feeling that I actually, you know, with Landry Jones, with this offense, if they have a plan that is smart, and logical, and I can't always say that about Todd Haley's plans, they can win with him being, and I'm not saying like, remember Michael Vick last year was basically, here are the keys to the car, please, for the love of God, don't wreck it. You know, just <laughs> drive 20 miles per hour below the <laughs> speed limit, stay between the lines, 10 and 2, for the love of God, do not wreck this car. I think the way you to, to you're going to have to give them a little bit of leverage, you're going to have to let bit of speed limit, maybe a little bit above at times. But I don't think – or I should say I do think that this team can win this football game if he manages the game properly because of the other factors, the other athletes they have on the football field. I, I, look, at the, I look at this – we're basically slowly merging our way into the keys to victory. But I look at the Patriots who have their first seven games. Okay, they're obviously five – I'm sorry, six games, five and one. Now, they beat the Cardinals in week one 23-21. Then they gave up 24 points to the Dolphins in week two. They shut out the Texans. Uh, if you watch that game, that was a Thursday night, which is ridiculous. They got shut out by the Bills, and then they gave up 16 points that game. The Browns uh, were actually winning that game, I think, at one point. Um, and then they came back when Brady's returned and all that stuff. And the Bengals, 35 to 17. It's not going to be easy. It's, I'm not, not saying that at all. It's not going to be easy. And, and if I'm a betting man, if I'm in Vegas, I'm not putting money on Landry Jones to throw for 300 and, and throw three touchdowns with no interceptions. You'd be an idiot if you did that. But still, I think that he can manage the game. And, and maybe this is just a good segue into the keys to victory. Let me go first because we're already talking about Landry Jones. Uh, when you look at this say, upcoming let's game let's against the – go ahead. Let me ahead. say one you thing, Jeff. Let me say one thing, for yeah.
2: you, and maybe you'll touch on it. Look, I, it, it sounds like I'm killing Landry Jones, and, and I probably am to, to a certain degree. Like I killed Bruce Bratkowski. Like I basically called Bruce Brackowski a bum. Right? Okay, you, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you got mad at me last year. You did call him. You did call him. I did call him. I did call him bum. You got mad at me last year. But here's the funny thing about this game, and I'm sure you'll break it down uh, more more than I will. He can't play scared and just try to manage this game. They're going to have to turn him loose and let him try to make plays. So there's going to be this fine line where he's going to have to manage it, but he's going to have to cut loose and let it rip at the same time. Because if he just tries to manage it, they won't win, and they won't have a chance.
0: No, I agree 100%, and I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. So the first thing that I want to bring up when I talk about my keys to victory for the offense is I looked at the teams the Steelers have played, okay? They're 4-2. They've played – you talk to some Steelers fans, you would think they were 0-6, but they're not. They're 4-2. And the teams they've played, the Washington Redskins, Cincinnati Bengals, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs, the Jets and the Dolphins. Lance, we talked about this after the Dolphins game. There's one common denominator on all those teams, and that is they all have really good defensive fronts. I'm talking about, I mean, the Redskins out of those six teams might be the weakest of the bunch. The Bengals with Dunlap and Geno Adkins. The Eagles uh, with Fletcher Cox. The Chiefs with, you know, Don Terry Poe and, and Ali and all those guys. The Jets front four is ridiculous. And the Dominic last week, along with uh, Phillips and Cameron Wake, those are good defensive fronts. Okay. Now the Patriots, I think, would be right around the Redskins. I don't. I'm not as overly impressed with their defensive front. They do have a good defense. They're very well-rounded. That's, that's kind of what I picture when I think of the Patriots defense. They're a very well-rounded unit. They're not superstars at any position, but they play well together. Very typical Bill Belichick team, in my opinion. I think though that the Steelers can control the line of scrimmage it's going to be really important that they can both run and pass the football when they want. They dictate the tempo. They dictate what happens in the football game. And so what that means is they can't get into this Todd Haley, second half of the lead, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. That's not going to work. It might work with Ben Roethlisberger, but it's not going to work with, with Landry Jones. You have to mix it in. You have to give him high percentage throws. They're going to move the chain. So ultimately, number one, You have to win the war of attrition in the trenches. You have to be able to throw and run the football. Stay on schedule, as I talk about every week. Stay balanced. The second thing is is that the offense in this game can unbelievably benefit the defense. The Steelers are playing at home. If the offense can control the ball, get first downs, string together long, time-consuming drives that result in points. I usually say touchdowns, but with Landry Jones, it's points. Get some field goals. Touchdown. You never turn down points in a game like this, and you hope to keep the Patriots' offense off the field. Keep your off defense fresh, keep their offense stagnant, and you might have a chance of getting some botched, you know, those fluky bad throws on third down. You get a couple three and outs, so or you get off the field on third down. Next thing you know, you might be in business. And lastly, you need to have some splash plays. Think back to the games that Landry Jones had in 2015. Every single time that he came in and made some significant effort, I'm thinking mainly the Arizona game, there was someone that made a big play that attributed to the success.
1: Now, in Arizona,
0: it was all Martavis Bryant. He took that little swing pass, that quick slant, and took it to the house. He also made an unbelievable catch in the back of the end zone to get his feet down, and that was what turned the tide against the Cardinals when no one, no one, no one thought that they could win that football game. It has a really similar feeling to me in this game. I ultimately look at this this matchup, meaning offense versus their defense, and I just think that if the offensive line is playing well and they do what they did against Washington, which is they basically control the game. think that, that was when Angela Williams rushed for 144 yards. Uh, Roethlisberger had time to throw. That's what this Patriots' defense front reminds me of. I'm not overly impressed with that. Um, I think that the Steelers can do their part offensively. Are they going to put up 30? I don't think so. But are they going to be able to put up points to give them a chance? I do think so. So those are my three keys. Lance, before you go on with your defensive keys, any thoughts on those offensive keys to victory that I just gave you?
2: I think one thing to look at game, especially on the offensive side, is how are the Steelers going to deal with blitzing, particularly green dogs? So, a green dog blitz is if the back stays in, that's a green light for a linebacker to blitz late in the down. So, that would be if Landry Jones drops back and Le'Veon Bell or D'Angelo stays in for pass protection, that's the green light at that point in his drop that the linebacker will go ahead and be an extra rusher and an extra blitzer. So it's going to be interesting to see how Landry Jones deals with Green Dog blitz, blitzes and blitzes in general because that front is just okay. They don't get a ton of pressure, but best believe they're going to blitz the mess out of Landry Jones and Green Dog him because they have two pretty good corners, and they're going to see if they can hold up first because I don't think receiver of the Steelers. I think you'll see a lot of Malcolm Butler on AB with the safety over top, but it's going to be imperative that Jesse James and some of the ancillary players make plays because they're going to roll somebody to AB and force somebody else other than AB to beat him uh, because they're probably going to think that Bale just can't beat them alone. So, But the big thing is how are they going to deal with blitzes? But before – I get into my breakdown, I wanted to give you uh, listeners some information and some numbers, some bad numbers from the Dolphin game. First of all, 30 points, season high in points, uh, or 30 points, that's pretty bad. Um, the, the Eagles scored more points against them than, than 30, right? It was I'm, – I'm, I'm forgetting the score of the Eagles
0: game already. 30, 30 but 30 four, 34 to 3. 30.
2: 400 plus yards rushing, horrible. 148 yards after contact to the running backs, or to Ajay specifically, <laughs> uh, 8.2 yards per carry as a team, and six red zone trips. I wanted to give you guys those numbers because that's the backdrop as we go into this game. Now, if you listen to the show, you know I'm known for giving you guys rhymes to break down how I think you know, the different concepts of what the Steelers should do to have success. Now, because of the the, 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 the stature of this game, that this is a six-star matchup, I'm going to give you three rhymes. The first rhyme, oh, boy. If, if the Steelers want to win, they better stop the tight end. Number two, if the Steelers want to beat the Pats, limit the yak. And number three, if the Steelers want to win in prime time, they better play a whole lot of time. Going to the number one point, if any of you guys watched that patriot Bengals game last week, the Patriots probably have, their best set of tight ends working right now. Bennett and Gronkowski, and Gronkowski, excuse me, you know they might as well be Simon and Garfunkel. They are going to make beautiful music together with Tom Brady as the maestro. They are a dynamic duo that's very hard to handle. And when they opened it up last week to the tight ends, it really broke Cincinnati's back. In a very competitive game, turned on his head almost instantly. When you look at the numbers of these two 26 catches, that's a 79% catch rate. He's averaging 13.9 per catch, four TDs, and his 362 yards is first on the team. Gronk, we all know how Gronk gets down. But let me just break it down a little bit more for you 19 targets. 13 receptions, 68% catch percentage, and he's averaging 21.7. He's a tight end, folks. 282 yards receiving. Their 644 yards make up 39% of the Patriots' passing yards, and they're responsible for 12 catches of 20-plus yards. Now, let me just remind you of the work he put in last Sunday against the Steelers. Eight targets, five receptions, 94 yards, three touchdowns, and he averaged 18.8 yards per catch. The tight ends are a problem. And last week against the Dolphins, they targeted – the tight ends were targeted seven times. They had five catches, 101 yards. yards per catch, and they caught it at 72%. If they can't stop these tight ends, it is going to get ugly before it even starts. It is critical that Shazier play. And I would imagine that the Steelers are going to match up with one of the corners, possibly Gilbert, because he did it against Kelsey. But they need Shazier to play as well because and Bennett are the real deal. To my second point, if the Steelers want to beat the Pats, limit the yak, well, of the Patriots, 1,678 yards passing, 786 of them have come after the catch. That's 47%. If you don't tackle the catch, you cannot beat them. And the two guys that they have to really account for in regards to that of course, is Julian Edelman and White. And in last year's game, Edelman was targeted 12 times. He had 11 receptions and 97 yards. This year, he has 28 receptions, five receptions, and look at the stat about White. Of his 212 yards receiving, 197 of them our yard after the catch, 93%. So they have to be able to tackle much better than they did in the Miami game. They have got to tackle the catch because the ball is going to come out really fast. And you notice, I haven't said anything about getting pressure because they're not going to get pressure on Brady unless they win individual matchups in their front four and because Haywood is out, that's going to be very difficult. So they're going to have to tackle the catch, and that's where Dive comes into play. They're going to have to put their best athletes, their fastest, most dynamic athletes out of the If that is is healthy, they could put Gilbert, Burns, Shazier, Mitchell, Golden. Those guys are going to have to be running their fannies off, making plays, communicating, staying disciplined, and tackling. And last but not least, they're going to have to play outstanding football in the red zone because the Patriots are going to be in the red zone four to six times this game. They just moved it that well, and they're going to have to limit those guys to field goals. This is going to be the toughest offense that they're going to have to play. From all the football that I've watched this year, the Atlanta Falcons and the Patriots with Tom Brady under center are the two best offenses clearly in the national football league. This is going to be a tough, struggle for this defense and it's imperative that Shazier come back and play in this game or it's going to be really, really difficult to stop him.
0: That's some good stuff. I mean, you look at it, yeah, you're right. I mean, Shazier it's it's almost like they drafted Shazier for the Patriots uh, to try to help with Gronkowski and the tight ends that are basically wide receivers that don't do much inline blocking, but um, he was a limited participant in practice today that's a step in the right direction. But, um, when we get the predictions, he's going to be key for me. I mean, I, I, have said it before. I, I just don't think that if the Steelers lose this game on Sunday, it's going. I don't think it's going to be because of Landry Jones. I think that the Steelers are smart enough. They're going to get lady bell, his touches and they're going to make, put him Landry Jones being me him, uh, in the best case scenario, the best chance to succeed. But the defense though is just a mismatch nightmare. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the Steelers approach it. Um, I do think that the Steelers are going to blitz, but they have to time it well. Uh, but against against Tom Brady, you know, you you saw it in Miami. You've seen it. I saw it against the Jets as well. Sometimes they have these really delayed safety blitzes. You're just going to get eaten a lot if you try that. They've got to bring pressure with those front five. Uh, got to let James Harrison loose a little bit and see him get going because – Let's be honest, the two starters on Sunday, that was Anthony Chiquillo and um, Jarvis Jones, they didn't impress. I'll just put it that way. Didn't not impress. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, El Busto. El Busto. I'm sorry. There you go. There you go. El Busto. (laughs) So um, it's tough. So let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Predictions. Uh, I know who you're going to pick, but I'd like to know the score. I'm gonna pick the
2: Patriots like thirty-one fourteen. All all right, that's rough. Um,
0: I'm I, gonna give you two I, I predictions.
2: Just, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I I I think they're gonna get smoked. And it's not that okay. I, mean, I agree that it's not gonna so much be Landry's fault. I think Landry's gonna play okay. The it, it's the defensive side of football. I mean, it, it's troublesome that. You know they don't get any sacks against the 32nd rate team in ASR. That's a just sack rate. I mean that that that's troubling, and, and and going against Brady not being able to get any pressure. I mean that that that's really troubling, and you know without Xavier, I mean they are really slow at the linebacker position and are very vulnerable in the flats to the boundaries. And, and, you know, that's what the Patriots want to do anyway. They want to throw the ball out to the boundary and and stretch you out horizontally. And if they can do that all day, they'll do it. And eventually they'll start hitting you with Gronk. And it'll be a really easy game. So it's going to be really tough for them defensively. But if they lose this game, it's not all, you know, all is not done with the season. Uh, you know, I, I think yeah. this is going to be a tough game for them anyway, even with Ben. They would have to play their best football
0: anyway, and the defense is going to be an issue in that case anyway. Yeah, so my prediction, I'm going to give you two predictions because I think so much of this game, like you said, hinges on Ryan Chazier's availability. Now, before I even go into my prediction, I have a question for you. If you're Mike Tomlin. Ryan Shazier is coming off that MCL sprain, and the doctors say, Coach, I think he's going to be good to go. Um, he might not be at full speed, um, could potentially re-injure the, the knee. What do you do? Do you play him in this game, or do you say, we're not risking it, I want him for the long haul after the bye week? How, how are you handling Shazier as they approach this this week? I mean, it's football. If they clear the guy he plays, I'm not even gonna make it complicated. If the
2: doctors clear him, he can go. I'm gonna make him available. All right, okay. You know, I I'm can gonna make real that. simple. Absolutely. You know. You know, let's try to make it simple for me and not fudge it.
0: Um, I would definitely if I were the coach, I would think about the risk reward. Um, here's a guy that obviously has shown that he struggles staying healthy. Uh, in a game where the bye week is awaiting them right after, I would say to myself, okay, how we want to handle this? Is it worth it? Um, not that they don't have a chance, but at the same time, you're looking big picture. I look at the Steelers how they have five of their six ASD North games awaiting them after the bye week. That's ultimately the goal is to win the division. You win your division first, you're going to guarantee a home playoff game. You hope things pan out the way that you might get a number one or number two seed, depending on all that stuff, but um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, let, let me get to my predictions. So there's two predictions. One if Ryan Xavier plays and one if Ryan Shazier doesn't. If Ryan Shazier doesn't play, I don't think there's would the Steelers stand chance. And, again, like I said a million times this show already, it's not because of Landry Jones. To give you a score, I'd be close to what you'd say. I'd say something along the lines of 34 to maybe 17. But if he does play, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I'm really, really tempted, and I haven't really come up with Wednesday. I still want to see the injury report and how things are floating around. I I really think the Steelers, it doesn't look on paper, like you just diagrammed, Lance, you were basically saying that the way that they attack the the Steelers' defense is going to be simple and it's going to be effective. You really ask yourself, do they even stand a chance if they were healthy? Well, there's something about some games that has me just a little bit more positive than others. I wasn't – I was positive last week. But like I said, when I read those previews from the the behind-the-steel Curtis Alconic, I "I don't have a good feeling about this game. It had a track game run all over it. I think it could be close if Shazier plays, we'll say, maybe a uh, four or three point. I think think the Patriots win. But I also will put a caveat in there and think that I say that I think that the Steelers, if they can get healthy, if they get Roethlisberger back and everyone else, the big key players, stay healthy – I think that if they meet them again on a second time, which would be in the postseason, I like the Steelers in that second matchup. But you know, the funny thing is, is, is you talked about this game, Lance, and I want to talk a little bit about this before we call it a show about the importance of this game. Is this game important in the long haul? Yes, uh, for a lot of reasons, and one of them being AFD rankings, head-to-head tiebreakers, stuff of that nature. So we know that they're five and one, they being the New England Patriots. Listen to their remaining schedule after the Steelers game, okay, they play at the Buffalo Bills, they have a bye week, then they have a home game versus the Seattle Seahawks, at the San Francisco 49ers, at the New York Jets, um, at home versus the the Los Angeles Rams, at home against the Baltimore Ravens, at the Denver Broncos, and they had to finish up the season, a home game against the New York Jets. I look at this, and I'm thinking, other than the Seahawks, the Maybe no, probably the Seahawks and the Broncos are the only two teams on paper that you think that they could possibly lose to. Is this game important? Absolutely it's important. Because the Steelers have already lost two games. They need to have that head to head matchup that they expect to win. It's gonna be it's gonna to be tough. they fans want that number one seed. They want the the road to Super Bowl fifty one to go through Pittsburgh. But like you said, the season does not end if they don't win this football game. What are your your thoughts on the Steelers moving forward if they lose the game, four and three, going into the bye week? You look at the rest of the schedule, how do you think this shakes out with the Steelers and the way they've been playing and potential injuries?
2: I mean, it's so hard to say injury being up in the air. It's really difficult to say. I think they really, and I hate to use this cliche, they really have to focus on it being week to week and just prepare and just try to get better every single week while he's gone. Um, you know, it's just really uncertain with his injury. If it's four to six weeks, like I said, if it's six weeks, the season's over. It They're dead. It's a wrap. If it's six, if it's six weeks, it's a wrap. They're going have to try to find a veteran to salvage the season. Uh, but if it's one to three, you know, just win the Raven game and everything's fine and you're five and three. And and then it's okay. Five and three, I will probably yeah. guarantee you will be leading the division. So, you know, just take it week to week. That, that That's all you have to do. And, and just handle what's in front of you. And do not
0: use the word should. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Now, I have one more question for you, and I'll give you the floor to talk to Steeler Nation before we have this tough matchup against the Patriots on Sunday at Heinz Field. You basically drew a picture of a really tough assignment for any defense, but especially the Steelers with their secondary the way that it is. And they're not healthy. Robert Golden was limited today. Shazier was limited today. Hayward's out. It's been well documented, the injuries that they have. My question for you is, when you look at this on paper, if both teams are healthy, do you think the Steelers match up any better or do you think this is kind of a game where if the Steelers were ever going to beat the Patriots, it would have to be in a shootout?
2: If both teams are healthy, they probably lose a shootout just because at some point in time on one of these possessions, the Patriots will either convert a third down to close out the game or they'll score in the red zone where on one of the possessions, the Steelers will kick a field goal and they'll lose by like four or something because even in the matchup last year, Steelers made a ton of mistakes. They moved the football. I think they had over 400 yards offense. You know, D'Angelo had about 130. You know, the frustrating thing for Steelers fans is that they haven't played. I don't think they played the Patriots with Ben Bell and A.B. yet. So, you know, this is one of those games, And you just play the game and see what happens. And and hopefully, you know, you learn from it. And if you see those guys again, you can – you know, you can use those lessons favorably, and hopefully they'll help you win the next time. But I just think it's really tough for them you know, because the defense is banged up. I think it's going to be a really tough game. It was going to be a, a, a very big challenge anyway. Uh, you know, but over these first six games, you know, you know, the one name on defense that has stood out to me and has played quality football is uh, Cockrell. You know, I think Cockrell has become a corner that could be your number two corner. Uh, uh moving forward. And I think he's a guy that
0: could, you know, maybe be a linchpin and a good secondary. Yeah. Um I will say this, if the Steelers somehow shock the world and I say that honestly because no one in this planet probably thinks the Steelers have a chance, if they somehow shock the world and beat and beat the Patriots on Sunday I would have no problem if Landry Jones went up to the podium in his post-game press conference, flipped off the cameras and said, screw you guys, and just walked off the stage. Because nobody has given this guy any semblance of hope, confidence, things. And you know what? It it would would mean wonders for him. I think Steeler Nation would be at an all-time high if it were to somehow happen because it's the Patriots, because – It's just so improbable, but it's exactly what it is, improbable. So, Lance, here's the time in the show where you get to talk to Steelers Nation. Um, Some people need talks off a ledge. Uh, I don't know if you want to do that or not, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead and talk to Steelers fans out there.
2: I'm not telling you to jump, but if you do, you better have a black and gold parachute. Just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. I wanted to comment on an article that ESPN put out about the current contenders. You know, who was a contender, who was a pretender. And ESPN said that the Steelers were flawed, but not yet pretenders. And they said it primarily because of inconsistency on offense, Ben being hurt, and this is what they wrote in the article, quote, The defense badly needs Ryan Shazier and Cameron
0: Hayward on the
2: unsettled division buys time for the Steelers to get healthier. And if that happens, Pittsburgh will be New England's top challenger in the AFC, but there are still too many unknowns right now. I agree with that assessment. One thousand percent. They are flawed. This is a offense slanted, Uneven team. When Ben doesn't play well and the offense doesn't play well, they're probably not going to win those games. We knew that coming into the season. So what we've seen over the first six games, I don't think we've seen anything different than what we expected. And the article is absolutely right. Without Shazier and Hayward, if Shazier, Hayward, and Tewitt aren't playing, the defense – It's ripe for the taking. Now, the division isn't very good. Cleveland is bad. Cincinnati is struggling, and the Ravens are ordinary. The whole division lost on Sunday. So the division is still there for the taking. And as they get healthier, you'll get Hayward back. You add Shazier, Hayward, Dupree to it. All of a sudden, it starts to look better we said this entire season that this is a, a back half of the year team when they get healthy and they get all of their pieces. And I still think that they are that. So even if they get hammered or drugged in this game, so be it. Get healthy, go on the five, beat the Ravens. You're five and three, and all is right with the world. So – also, they took the, they took one on the chin against Miami, and that I hate to say bad L or trapped in, but hell if the coach admits it, I can too. But there's a lot of football left. Four and three means you got nine more games, and that's an eternity. So don't jump off the building just yet. At least wait till you get to the top floor, and that'll be around week twelve or thirteen. And if you want to jump, then you can not jump, but just a little bit. Have a little patience before you make that jump.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And uh, you said it, it is a second half team; it should be. You know, the the schedule does soften up a little bit, but it doesn't get really easy. Uh, I hope fans don't look at it. And, you know, we've got the Patriots and the Bides and the Ravens, then the Cowboys, then the Browns and the Colts. Giants, Bills, Bengals, and Ravens have finished up. A very AFC North heavy back half, which, like you said, might not be a bad thing compared to seeing how the division is shaking out so far. I think if I'm going to say anything to Steelers fans, it's going to be real quick, is that one game does not end the season. Could this game mean that the Steelers' road, the road to Super Bowl 51 doesn't go through Heinz Field? Yeah, it could mean that. Could it mean, though, that it could still get a first-round bye? Yeah, they could still grab that first-round I They're right in the thick of things. There's a lot of football to be played. Uh, Mike Tomlin has been 5-2, and 5-3 and three before. He's been worse than that, and they still end up pulling out a really good season. Teams under Tomlin typically get better as the season progresses, and they had a lot of primetime games coming up. We know how they play on primetime. Uh, the Patriots game is considered basically a primetime game, nationally national television, unless – you're in an area that has a game going on at 425, it will it'll be interesting to see how things pan out on Sunday. Now, I, I should tell you we have a lot of stuff coming up behind the com for you to check out film rooms, um, articles, in-depth articles on this game. Uh, see if anyone, experts alike, give the Steelers a chance in Week 7. And then make sure you check out other shows like on Monday, our Steelers Hangover. We can call in, be a part of the show. Fact or fiction, you name it, we got it. So, Check out com. I'm editor Jeff Hartman. For Lance Williams out on the West Coast, thanks for your time as always. We'll see you next time on The Standard is the Standard. Go Steelers. Bye.
1: There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color,
0: save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10